Hello and welcome to this episode of Cat's Cabinet of Curiosities. And today we're going to be discussing the Enfield Poltergeist. So, August 1977, Enfield, England. Two young girls are the centre of poltergeist activity, which attracts a whole lot of media attention. Furniture is moved, Lego is thrown, and an 11-year-old girl is possessed by a mysterious spirit who goes by the name of Bill. Uh, Today, we're going to be weighing up the evidence and debating the existence of an Enfield poltergeist. Hey Tom. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? <laughs> are you excited for this week's episode? I'm I'm not feeling like I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. So usually I try to keep it so that Tom doesn't know much about the episodes. However, I often can't to- stop myself from mm. talking to him about them. We live together, so I'm often like, Tom, I found out this today. Yeah. But the Enfield Poltergeist case, I have tried to keep as little information getting to him as possible because this is a spooky case and I oh, want him no. to be scared. Oh, I don't want to be scared. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to jump straight into it. Okay. okay? Um, and I'm going to explain the, what happened. So August 1977. It's the 70s, it's Enfield. Peggy Hodgson is a single parent living in a rented council house in Brimsdown. I can't speak. Peggy, was she called? Peggy. Oh, Peggy. Peggy. Okay. Um, So she's got four children. Margaret, who's 13. Janet, who's 11. Johnny, who's 10. And Billy, who's 7. Standard family. No spookiness here. Yeah. So August 1977, she calls the police uh, to come to her home because two of her children have claimed that furniture was moving and knocking sounds were being heard through the walls. When the police arrive... Uh, the constable said that she saw a chair slide across the floor and was convinced there that nobody had touched it. As things uh. progressed, there were claims of demonic voices, there were thrown rocks and toys, there were children actually levitating, um, and it attracted a lot of press attention in Britain. Uh, the Daily Mail reported on it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Daily Mirror. They were the two main... I struggle to call them newspapers. Um, <laughs> who reported on the events? The two main pieces of paper yeah, that had that written. Who on. reported on the events? And the events came to a, an end in 1979. So they went on for two years. Um, this subject is a pretty popular subject in the um, sort of paranormal community online. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's got so much evidence documenting it, so much written, recorded. I'm going to play you a recording later. Oh, no. And it has been a subject of many documentaries. And it is actually the case that The Conjuring 2 uh, was based on. So that classic 2016 film was actually based on this story. I did not see that or The Conjuring 1. Yeah, no, I never saw it either. Uh, Um, because I hate horror films. <laughs> and yet you love to terrify me by telling me about <laughs> yeah. this stuff. I love, I love true ah. crime. I love real paranormal stories. But as soon as they're fake, I'm like, this is too scary. <laughs> um, yeah. So let me tell you about the first incident. It is the 31st of August, 
1977. I keep Good. telling you August yeah. 1977. I think it's important to know the date because it's kind of the 70s, late 70s. Everyone was uh, on drugs. I, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say that it's becoming a lot more popular to be able to record things. Oh, right. Um, I see. So it's yeah. the first real case of paranormal activity that um, has been recorded. Right. Um, and it's probably the most extensively documented one. Hmm. So 9.30, Janet and John hear shuffling. So they're two of the children. They hear shuffling around their bedroom and they call their mother Peggy. And at this point, all three of them start to hear knocking sounds. A chest of drawers reportedly moves 18 inches across the room without any physical contact. And immediately Peggy went next door to get the Nottingham's help. So the Nottinghams, they live next door to the Hodgsons. And annoyingly for us, both of the mothers were called Peggy. So there's Peggy Nottingham, who lives next door, and Peggy Hodgson, who's the mother of the children. Uh, call them PH and PN. I'm or do, do they have rapper names or um, something? To be honest, um, Peggy Nottingham isn't mentioned that much. It's more her husband. Oh, okay. Um, so Vic Nottingham is a builder. That's Peggy's husband. Um, and their 20-year-old son, Gary, go over to the Hodgson house. And they both hear knocks as well. And Vic searches for a source and he can't find it. And he reports to the police when they're called that it seems to follow him around the house. And he cannot oh, find a no. source. Um, so at this point, we already have five different people who have heard this knocking sound. Right. Okay. That's concerning. Yeah. So the police arrive about 1am. They're called at 9.30. I'm not sure why they don't arrive earlier. <laughs> They're probably like... I imagine paranormal activity... To do. Yeah, it's not so, a priority yeah. necessarily. So WPC Heaps and PC Hyams arrive 1am. And they both hear more knockings. Uh, WPC Heaps sees a chair move three to four feet across the living room without any physical contact. So a police officer sees a chair move with no physical contact. Oh, no. At this point, it's been about three and a half hours since the poltergeist activity started, and there's been multiple witnesses already. Um, and so there's already been Janet, John, Peggy, Vic, Gary, and the two police officers who have seen the knocking. So seven people who have witnessed the knocking. Right. And, and Janet, moving. John, Peggy and WPC Heaps have seen furniture move of its own accord. So four people have seen furniture move of its own accord. Yeah. Um, over the next few days, things escalate quite rapidly. Lego flies around the house. Flies? Flies, like? physically flies around the house. And that is witnessed by members of the Hodgson family and the Nottingham family. So that's Vic and Gary from the Nottingham family witnesses as well. What? And on September the 4th, Peggy, as you do when your house is haunted, <laughs> phoned the Daily Mirror, oh, um, hoping that they would put her in touch with someone who would help. Yes, they're, they're famously helpful yeah. and sympathetic. Yeah. And so reporter Douglas Bentz and photographer Graham Morris visited the house. And these two men both also witnessed flying objects. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. They've, all of these people... Or... Claim to. Claim to have yeah. seen f flying objects. Um, in fact, Graham Morris 
was hit on the forehead by a piece of Lego. <laughs> While it was travelling at speed, he likes to add, he <laughs> says it, it, he was hit on the face with a piece of Lego travelling at speed. That's... Um, mm. Then by September the 7th, uh, these, this is a reporter and photographer, they call for backup. Um, <laughs> with, with the Daily Mirror still yeah, yeah so with the Daily Mirror still and George Fallows who's a senior reporter and a senior photographer David Thorpe visit the house um, so this is already a lot of people who have witnessed this paranormal activity hmm. um, I mean I'm I'm sceptical yeah. at this point I just want to say I don't I don't believe in ghosts or paranormal or anything like that yeah. but it does seem weird so far and yeah. I'm interested to it, see kind of yeah. where this goes it, it, it is it, yeah, yeah I, I'm not going to say too much now. I'm not, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm now going to read you the statement from WPC Caroline Heaps, who testified this. Te- this is a wow. written statement from a police officer. I'm going to read the full thing. It's a little bit long, but I am going to read the full thing because I think it's important to hear, to hear it. So she says... On Thursday, the 1st of September, 19, in 1977, at approximately 1am, I was on duty in my capacity as a policewoman when I received a radio message to uh, 284 Wood Street, Enfield. I went to this address where I found a number of people standing in the living room. I was told by the occupier of this house that strange things had been happening during the last few nights, and they believed that the house was haunted. Myself and another PC entered the living room of the house and the occupier switched off the lights. The occupier. So the mother switched off the lights and almost immediately I heard the sound of knocking on the wall that backs onto the next door neighbour's house. Huh. Um, so we'll co- we're going to come back to the switched off the lights thing because I, th- I think that's a particularly interesting note. Hmm. Um, there were four distinct taps on the wall and then silence about two minutes later I heard more tapping and this time it was from a different wall again in a distinctive peal of four taps Uh, the PC and neighbours checked the walls attics pipes and could find nothing to explain the knockings Uh, the PC and all the neighbours went into the kitchen to check the refrigerator pipes leaving the family and myself in the living room the lights in the living room were switched off again and within a few minutes the eldest son pointed to a chair which was standing next to the sofa. I looked at the chair and noticed it was wobbling slightly from side to side. I then saw this chair slide across the floor towards the kitchen hall. It moved approximately three to four feet and then came to a rest. That's quite far. At no time did it appear to leave the floor. Hmm. I checked the chair, but could find nothing to explain how it had moved. The lights were switched back on. Nothing else happened that night, although di- we did have later reports of disturbances at this address. Hmm. That's the end of her statement. Right. So I do think it's important to note the lights were switched off when these things happened. Yeah. Um, because I think that, one, it means you can't necessarily see happening everything that's happening in a hmm. room. Especially when you've got four kids. Yeah. Four yeah, kids, yeah. They, can, they can move quick. <laughs> <laughs> kids are evil um, and nifty. Yeah. Um, especially kids who want attention. I'm just mm. going to say that. Um, I don't want to immediately dismiss this police person's report. 
Um, because the fact that she's a police officer, may, it, it, it to decreases. me, it really validates her statement. Yeah, it decreases the likelihood that she's, she's lying. just yeah or crazy yeah. Or, or anything. Um, the fact that she saw a chair slide, my immediate thought was maybe there was a child hiding behind a sofa who pushed it, mm. and somehow the chair just kept moving. I don't know if what their flooring was like. Obviously, it couldn't do that on carpet, but maybe if it was a really slippy laminate. I mean, I'm, I'm pulling at straws here, really, <laughs> um, trying to explain this. It's, it's, so, it's so hard without, um, you know, recorded or visual evidence yeah. to sort of because uh, even the sort of the character of the motion mm. would give you some kind of idea yeah. like if it just if it moved very Slowly. smoothly yeah then that would be creepy yeah if it moved very quickly in a bus like someone had pushed it yeah or had been tugged by something y- yeah then um yeah i find it interesting too that it was the eldest son who pointed something out um and it wasn't he drew attention to it I also find it quite interesting that the mother, her almost immediate reaction was to contact the paper. Yeah. Um, I'd <laughs> The police didn't work, so I'm going to go to the higher authority, yeah. which is tabloid journalism. Um, but even yeah. so, even though we're talking about this, I can't help thinking, if you go to a house where you've said there's been hauntings, even if you don't believe it, you get in there and there's four creepy little kids. I'm assuming kids are creepy because all kids are creepy. You, yeah, you don't um, like kids, <laughs> do you? So, I mean, they're already poltergeists. Yeah. As far as um, you're concerned. And then to have the lights turned out, I imagine after hearing the knocks on the wall, the knocks on the wall, I feel, can be slightly more easily explained. I'm, I'm not going to Someone can knock too, up the yeah, other side yeah, of the wall. I'm not going to put they? too yeah. much credence into that. Mm. Um... But I imagine you'd, you'd already be freaked out, and so you probably are a lot more willing to believe... Ghosts. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's her statement. I'm going to talk a little bit now about the recorded poltergeist activity. Oh, so there's some There's, some there's actual stuff. tape recordings, there's video recordings of over 180 hours. 180 hours from these various reporters that have come over. There is a lot of evidence. So I'm just going to read a, v- a very long list of all the different things they claim a poltergeist has got done. Right. Marbles and Lego seen travelling through the air at great speed, um, seemingly from the walls or windows. Um, a teapot shook vigorously on a cabinet in absence of any external vibration. Ooh. Metal, s- metal spoons bent... And the lid of a metal teapot was deformed. I'm not sure a seven-year-old child, a thirteen-year-old child, could do that. Um, I, I think they could, you could bend a spoon. You could definitely bend a spoon. I'm yeah. just not sure about a metal teapot. I th- you don't see many metal teapots. Like it was the seventies. Yeah, true. Um, it's probably made out of asbestos. Okay, this is my. This is possibly my favourite point. The shade of a bedside lamp was straightened. <laughs> so it's a kind poltergeist. <laughs> it's a kind one. Ooh, um, this is slightly regular. Yeah. Tilt. Yeah. The toilet door opened and closed when no one was nearby. Uh, cardboard boxes and cushions were thrown by an unknown force. A slipper was thrown across the room by an unknown force. A framed certificate was pulled off the wall. 
A bedroom carpet was pulled up at the edge to form an incidental shape each time. An incidental, an identical shape each time. I'm moving. Oh, moody. right, okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> to form an ask. identical shape each time, sorry. Yeah, right. A settee was levitated and overturned in front of several witnesses. Let me repeat that. A settee was levitated and overturned in front of several witnesses. That's some David Blaine stuff right yeah. there. Wow. 11-year-old Janet was levitated and deposited in different places at different times. I'm not going to lie. I've seen a photo of 11-year-old Janet levitating. Oh, there's a photo of it. Um, yeah, it's kind of like... I'll show it to you now. Through the magic of podcast audio. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm just showing <laughs> I'm, it to I'm going to convert I, it to like the binary uh, code for an image and then just play that, that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a look now. So it kind she of... kind of looks like she's jumping. That's about what I was going to say. So she claims she's <laughs> levitated, but essentially she is levitated from the bed mm-hmm. to the floor, which to <laughs> me is a child jumping off a bed. Her legs are tucked up underneath her mm. like when you jump. Yeah, if you um, were being levitated, my immediate reaction would be to sort of wiggle my legs about as if I'm about to be dropped at any moment. Yeah, so... But... Mm. Mm. Yeah, so that's the levitation. That's just a kid jumping. <laughs> she levitated for <laughs> a fraction of a second. You were, well, that's the thing as well. It it was literally that. Really? Yeah. Oh. So, it, yeah. Uh, that's kitchen, like the Buzz Lightyear thing that it's not flying, it's falling with style. Yeah. And they're saying it's levitating. It's not levitating. <laughs> um, kitchen unit doors slip open in of their own accord. Uh, door chimes swung from side to side many times. Footsteps were heard when no one else was present. 13-year-old Margaret was held still by an unknown force. Ooh. I mean, that could just be Was a, it a love? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> knocks, bangs and crashes heard. Coins disappeared and reappeared in other places. That's kids stealing money. Next. Yeah. Um, small fires were started and extinguished without causing damage. Again, that's 1970s children's entertainment. That's pre-Wi-Fi. <laughs> I, uh, the, you start this small fires. fires thing, I actually couldn't find any evidence of this, so I'm, I'm, oh, right. I'm not sure about that. Uh-huh. Water appeared in circumstances not understood. What, like, circumstances yeah, it just, not I mean, understood. it just appeared on the floor and they didn't know why. Spillage. Um, normal, reliable electrical equipment failed to work, so reporters bought their cameras, sometimes they didn't work. The iron frame of a built-in fireplace was wrenched from the wall. That's quite a feat. That is quite a feat, especially for a 13 and 11-year-old girl. Hmm. Um, excrement appeared in inappropriate places. Kids, next. Um, written messages, abusive remarks and swear words in a gruff masculine voice were produced by Janet and sometimes Margaret. Well, you know, we've all been teenagers. I, um, have, I have said abuse in uh, gruff masculine voices in my time. So, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> uh, all of these, well, not all of it's, these it's things. It's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of things. And various of these things were witnessed by the family, mm. by the neighbours, by the police people who came. 
by John Rainbow, who is a local tradesman who came to the house and witnessed some of these. Right. Richard Gross, who is a solicitor. And Hazel Short, who is a lollipop lady. A lollipop lady. What was she going to do? Like, <laughs> help the ghost to cross over to the other side? So I'm, I'm going to give you... I think um, that's a better joke than your... I'm sorry. <laughs> cross over to the other side. I just... I'm sorry. I'm going to make the joke worse by just, like, <laughs> underlining it and, uh, you know... I was trying to ignore it. No preparation. <laughs> All improv, baby. <laughs> sorry. Continue. Uh, I'm going to read you Hazel Short's statement. Cool. I was standing there looking at the house when all of a sudden a couple of books came flying across and hit the window. It was so sudden. I heard noise because it was so quiet and there was no traffic and it made me jump. Then, after a little while, I saw Janet. I don't know if there's a bed underneath that window, but she was going up and down as though someone was tossing her up and down in a horizontal position, like as if someone had got hold of her legs and back and was throwing her up and down. I definitely saw her come up to about window height, but I thought if she was bouncing, she'd bounce from her feet, and she wouldn't be able to get enough power to bounce from her back uh, to come that high. My friend could see her as well. We could both see her. Okay. So she Mm. saw a kid essentially lying on their back, going up and down from a window. That, that's not... That's not instantly debunkable. That's not instantly debunkable. From my... Yeah. Um, from my brain. Again, I don't really have an explanation for this. Mm. I mean, I guess maybe if she was jumping at a funny angle. I mean, people... These people were watching it from outside the house. They already had heard of a paranormal activity. Wait, they were watching from outside the house? Yeah. So they were, look- they were standing on the street looking at the house and they saw through the window this girl going up and down on her back so I, I I kind of think that this kind of thing uh, I is think quite seen, a long way to see yeah and you can your eyes can play tricks on you especially if you already knew the house was haunted mm. see when you when you first said it I thought I assumed that they were like in the room no 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 and so that would be weird but she was saying I was, was standing there looking at the house yeah so she saw books fly against the window and hit the window and she heard them from outside which Mm. made her look and then she saw Janet um Janet was if Janet was doing this herself and it wasn't a poltergeist she must have known those people were watching Mm. or someone else in the house was there or she was doing it by herself either way whether this kid was actually haunted or not, she's a creepy little kid. <laughs> um, we're yeah. going to talk now about the scariest part of this. Oh, no. Um, See, I, I, I've settled in now. I'm sort of comfortable. Are you about to make me uncomfortable? The, the voice. Oh, yeah. oh, uh, so the three, voice. Mu- three months I after this show. whole thing started, <laughs> a voice began to come from Janet. It started as a series of whistles and dog barks. Hmm. But then it became a human voice. Right. Um, and the human voice identified itself as Joe Wilkins, who claimed to live in the house. Um, the previous occupant was, in fact, a Mr. Wilkins. And apparently Janet had no idea. He uh, Apparently no one had ever told Janet. Apparently she didn't know. Oh, yeah. It was only when the poltergeist was haunting her. 
Um, yeah, and she couldn't just Google stuff back in the 70s. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can think is that her mother told her. Hmm. And, and, and also, if, if this was put on, then you can just pretend to not know something. Yeah, obviously. yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it is still... Mm. It, it does present intrigue and yeah. wonder. Um, so this voice was coming from that. I'm going to play you a clip of the voice. It is terrifying. Oh, God. Um, to eliminate the possibility that Janet was faking the voice, Richard Gross, the senior um, reporter guy from earlier, he actually he taped her mouth shut and put water in her mouth on different occasions, and the voice was still heard. No. Although it was subdued. Um. In early January 1978... Margaret, the other sister, began to speak in a very similar voice, but without the same intensity or duration as Janet's. I'm going to play you a clip of a voice now. It is oh a couple of minutes long. Um, sorry, one minute 48 long. Um, Are we listening to the whole thing? Shall I leave the mics on whilst you try to terrify me? I, I'd say turn the mics off because, uh -huh. yeah, one minute okay. 48. Okay? Right. Ready? In we go. Come on, say it for me, Dr. Bellum. Dr. Bellum. Right, that is good. Come on, Shut up, Bernie. I'm 72 years old. I come from doing right, great job. And I have right here to church. We're really not And all my friends come from there as well. And we all make a day and go to the pub. And then we will repeat your No. No. Yeah, so that, that was no, just a bit of a not allowed. Um, no, that's... So, uh. That's coming from the... I think that's from Janet, who is 11. An 11-year-old girl right. was making that sound. No. Uh, uh, I don't like that. And, yeah, I mean, that is creepy voice. That's um, such... Like, for someone, for someone to fake, that would be so difficult yeah. to... And there were hours, 160 hours... Of this, of, of, of recording. Hello, not I'm all a of ghost. it, not all of it. That voice, but a large majority. I mean, that interview, that one interview, is five minutes long, and that's only a tiny proportion of all the interviews she's ever done. Are we meant to be able to hear what the? What we she's are saying? meant to be here. What she, meant to hear what she's saying? I, I can't. No, it's I can't very it difficult out. on that recording to distinguish what she's saying. Online, you can find a lot of assumed transcripts so those are people who are really into this who have written up what they think they hear I, I don't I, I don't think it really matters what she said in that clip I just wanted you to hear the voice because oh man that's um, like that's if I'm really really hungover yeah. and I've <laughs> had nothing but Jaeger bombs and kebabs and I, I've dried out like a like a sponge in the sunlight <laughs> overnight, and there's no fluid left in my body. My voice would maybe sound a bit like that, but a couple yeah. of octaves higher. Yeah. And that is um, yeah, that's just horrible. Like that's right at the bottom. Because you know, I did mm. a uni. I did some stuff about the human voice and mm. that kind of stuff, and about uh, specifically rough singing. 
Yeah. And that must just kill your throat. Uh, she hasn't had any damage to her voice, as far as we None know. None at all. She still talks in a fairly normal tone. Um, a speech therapist was unable to say where she, the sound was coming from or how it was being sustained by an 11-year-old girl. She said it had some resemblance to false vocal cord tone. Yeah, you so know. that's the um, above your fluey, gooey uh, vocal folds. Mm. You've got the false folds, which kind of protect it. Um, and they're the ones that do the kind of... Uh, those kind of sounds. Yeah. Hello, Would you be able I am a ghost. Talk like that with water in your mouth. Um, I don't. I might have water with me. Should we do a quick? Yeah, experiment? let's do a, a quick experiment. We're, we're making history here. We're um, <laughs> also another note um, that the recordings were made. Uh, they put a microphone in front of her, but for some of the recordings, just to test it out, they placed a microphone on the back of Janet's head. And they picked up a different and much louder sound than her normal voice. Uh. So when she was doing this, it was actually a lot louder at the back of her head, not coming from the mouth, which That's is strange. Right? Are you going to try your experiment? Yeah, I've got a bottle of water. Um, how much water did she have in the mouth? It, it didn't say, but she said they said after it she was able to spit it back out. So right. she didn't swallow it. Okay. So take like I'd say a, a small mouthful. This is this is what audio technology was invented <laughs> to capture. Right. I'm gonna try and stay clear of equipment and. Uh... <laughs> the answer is no. The <laughs> <laughs> thing is. You can't see what he, he was really trying. He was really trying. Um, what did it not sound like? I was trying. <laughs> it sounded like you were literally just trying to make gurgling sounds. <laughs> Look, I was trying not to drown, and uh, you know, I was trying to do a good experiment for the good people. Yeah. So I tried. Um, but that was that was not with any training or anything yeah. to be fair or practice. I mean, I don't think she had any formal training. Um, <laughs> In ghost faking. Yeah. So this is. A lot of evidence for. A lot of evidence for. There's all mm. the witnesses, all of the recordings, all of the unexplainable things. So to put your minds at rest, I do have some evidence against. Good, good. And then I think we can weigh it up. There's still some questions that are unanswered. Um, I have to say, this is by far the most convincing thing we've ever covered. Yeah, uh, in our three episodes, <laughs> in our, our third long episode, and varied career. Um, yeah. the, honestly, this is actually the most convincing out of any conspiracy theory, cryptozoology, true crime, missing like conspiracy thing. This is one of the most convincing. Fi- mm. Like I, I've never believed in ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts, but I still don't. All, and I yet, I, I feel like I do but, now. And yet, a bit. This is a lot of things are inexplicable. Mm. Um, okay, the first evidence against, um, I think is a big one, a really big one. Janice and Margaret admitted to faking some of the poltergeist activity. So this is the <laughs> 11 and 13 year old girl. Yeah. The two girls were occasionally caught by the investigators to have faked some of the things they blamed the poltergeist for. That to me is a pretty big yeah. check against. Um example they threw things and the investigators saw them 
And the two girls confessed that on that one occasion, they had faked it. But every other time it was genuine. Hmm. Um... I think you could be desperate for attention, but yeah. if you already know you've got a poltergeist in your house, you wouldn't be, like, pushing it to perform. Yeah, it's... It's kind of... The thing is, there's a lot of things that I don't think an 11 and a 13-year-old girl could do. And I think that perhaps Peggy, the mother, uh, encouraged... Mm. Um. I'm just going to say that's my theory for this whole thing. Yeah. Is that I don't think it's a poltergeist. I think that it's two girls who they got caught up in in a game. Yeah. Um, the poltergeist did a lot of very childish things. Um, hmm. Bill, the spirit of an old man who supposedly possessed Janet, the 11-year-old, he, he was really interested in periods menstruation he asked a lot of oh. questions about them and spoke about them a lot he asked a lot of questions to the investigators the 13 year old girl would but this is the 11 year old the 11 year old girl would um, want to know like you'd think yeah. an elderly dead man has probably been there done that yeah bloodied the t-shirt so it's kind of like why would this old man be interested in that maybe it's a girl who feels like she can't ask any other way yeah um might feel like she is evil because blood is pouring out of yeah. her or something. A lot of what Bill claimed was false. He said facts about his life that were proven not mm-hmm. to be true about the man who died in the house who died in the house previously. Oh right, so they got the um, name. So they got the name not. right, but they didn't really get any of his life right. Mm. Um, so again, I think they could have probably been told his name by Peggy and then yeah. just made stuff up. And because the name fit, people thought it was true. Mm. And a lot of the witnesses, although they did report them, were quite sceptical. Um, Janet's gruff voices were thought by ventriloquist Ray Allen to be a vocal trick, something he could explain, something he could do. Right. That Especially if it's a false folds thing. Yeah. Um, if you're able to, like with water in your mouth, if you really knew how to do it, you could mm. probably do it. Um, yeah. Um, so and it would vibrate through the back of your head. Yeah. Actually, if your would mouth it? isn't open, then yeah. and you've got all the water in. Yeah, it would come out the back. But you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm spitballing. Um, Bill, one of Janet's voices, um, had the habit of suddenly changing topic, which was a habit that Janet also had, according hmm. to Lion Playfair. Uh, several psychiatrists and health professionals came to the house and said the whole thing would stop if Gross and Playfair, the, um, the reporters, just left it alone. They yeah. said, you need to stop reporting on this. These girls... They do it, it for attention for the for reporting, yeah. Um, one of the reporters for the Society um, of Psychical Research... Okay, that's an interesting society. Uh, ...came to investigate, but when they came to Janet's room to observe they were made to stand facing away from the children and then they were hit with objects while the children giggled (laughs) that's not a poltergeist that's a prank yeah um, that's a childhood jape did they just stay stood there 
Well, yeah. they got things thrown at them and just say, this is the price we pay for going into the psychical <laughs> research I, I field. I think so. Um, the investigators and the researchers conducted a series of tests on Janet's gravelly voice. One test involved them placing two separate microphones, one on Janet's throat and one on the back of her neck. And, uh, yeah, as he said, it's found that it came out of the back of her neck and that's where the false vocal cords, secondary vocal cords are found. Hmm. Uh, Janet would speak in that fashion for up to three hours at a time. That is impressive. Without needing to clear her throat Hmm. or cough. She'd never cough during that. And without causing any damage to her normal speaking voice. Which you can do if you've got sort of, I guess, discipline with your vocal cords or you sort of know what you're doing. And if she was spending all day practicing how to be a ghost, maybe that's a a thing you do as a kid. Maybe, I assume. Yeah, I mean, it's not impossible. Mm. And I think that that explanation is probably a lot easier to jump to than the poltergeist. Yeah, I think if we're if we're giving, are we giving verdicts? Um, yeah. One last thing. Okay. Um, there's certainly a lot of evidence that they faked it, uh, given the number of witnesses and the recorded number of events. It's difficult to believe. But all of these adults didn't question it further, and they were all of them were drawn into a child's lie. Yeah. Um, Just a sort of play, which, play game. Yeah, which makes me think: was this an elaborate hoax by a lot of the adults yeah. around her? I, I can see the the tabloids having some kind of yeah. uh, vested interest yeah, in making the de- no, story interesting. Definitely, the reporters they wanted this to be big. Yeah. And the police person, as we've discussed, was made to see it all in the dark. Yeah. Um, they were off... So, here's the thing. Was this a hoax for attention? Was it a hoax for money? Hmm? They were offered a lot of money to tell the paper how they faked it. And they refused. Oh. They refused the money. So... Did they think they would get more attention and money over time i don't i i don't i can't really, i don't really know you don't you never know but the fact that they denied money is on their side certainly but maybe yeah but then you've got the you've got the shame yeah, factor don't the sh- you you've yeah, got the embarrassment definitely. um so this came to an end eventually yeah the activity stopped as suddenly as it started janet was placed in maudsley hospital for psychiatric evaluation in July of 1978, she was tested thoroughly for two months and found to be perfectly healthy and normal. In the time that Janet was away, the activity died down completely. And on her return, she said she always felt there was something there right up until her mum, Peggy, died. But there were no further disturbances. Mm. Uh, the people who moved into the house after the Hodgson's found out the incident... Um, they found out about the incident and after finding out they said they felt the house was not right but they never witnessed anything hmm. and they moved out two months later because they were spooked uh, the current residents have been living there since and they've seen no strange behaviour um, Janet and Margaret still claim everything that happened was real and Janet has done a couple of TV interviews about her experience so there is a money factor there yeah or, or even just an exposure factor. Like, if you mm-hmm. are the girl who was a ghost yeah. as a kid, that is your, that's your identity, that's your thing. 
yeah. if that's your one defining factor, then you'd, I, I think you would cling to that yeah. more so than even if you were offered money about how you faked it. Yeah, definitely. I, I, the thing is, when, you, when I first started looking into this, I was like, wow, this is, this is some really convincing evidence. Mm. But then when you look at the people involved and particularly the children who have already confessed to faking some of it, it's kind of suddenly Starts becomes a lot less convincing. It unravels yeah. very quickly, I think. Mm. So I guess my, my final verdict is that sometimes uh, when you're presented with a story um, and you just hear those details in isolation, it's very easy to go, oh, that's not right. Something must be going mm, on there. Mm-hmm. But I think until you can actually prove or logically explain how a ghost or a poltergeist would even exist yeah. you can't you can't rush to that conclusion yeah. and you should think that yeah. people are faking and I, I think as well that maybe just because a lot of people have claimed they've seen something doesn't necessarily mean what they've seen is what, what they think they've seen yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and even adults can be fooled by a child's hoax. This is a police mm. officer who went into a house and genuinely believed there was a poltergeist. And who knows? Maybe there actually was. And maybe we're being very cynical about it. But I think given the fact that the children have lied and yeah. there's all these other things, I just can't see all of that happening and there being a poltergeist. Yeah. I. And the my... fact that as soon as Janet went, it stopped. I mean, yeah, that's clear evidence in itself yeah. as a general overview thing one thing that i've seen uh, said online is that since uh, everyone has had smartphones and cameras and stuff on them all mm. the time sightings of paranormal activity have not increased mm. which you would think they yeah, would do yeah. what has increased is um you know footage of uh, police brutality and stuff like that yeah. which maybe we won't get into at the yeah. tidy end of this <laughs> podcast but uh, that's through food for thought basically so yeah, yeah. Um, I think that pretty much rounds up this episode I think we're both on the, the Enfield poltergeist didn't exist side yes which I'm very glad about yeah because I am uh, for a moment I had you didn't I yeah you did <laughs> <laughs> those voice recordings are terrifying and I can see why they made a horror film out of this case yeah uh, next uh, episode we're going to be doing something equally horrific oh good we are going to be discussing the Westboro Baptist Church. Hooray! Who are known for their hateful rhetoric. Um, rhetoric. Rhetoric, sorry. I can't <laughs> sorry. talk. That's okay. Um, and we're going to essentially discuss the history of the church. It's quite um, unexpected. The founders' unexpected roots in the civil rights movement. Wow. Uh, which is very interesting. It sounds spicy. Um and we're, we're going to determine whether we think it's a cult what qualifies it as a cult because I do want to do a few more cult episodes mm. um, so a bit yeah. of a change of pace next week I think sounds good sounds yeah. brilliant uh, I've been Tom uh, mm-hmm. Twitter at Tom underscore Clavon because I like to plug myself and Catherine I hear you don't do Twitter uh, I had Twitter for a while and then my phone ran out of storage so I deleted it so I don't have Twitter anymore right so you're off the grid I'm off the grid I yeah I don't really okay. you can't find me online <laughs> <laughs> we'll remedy that by next time okay thanks for tuning in okay bye